This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Draft experts have got me laughing. Absolutely laughing, losing my mind. Six or seven wide receivers in the first round? Are you nuts? Are you nuts? I don't care how talented this draft class is. I really don't. Six or seven wide receivers in the first round. Wide receivers are the equivalent to QBs in fantasy. You can win by streaming quarterbacks. You typically win fantasy by drafting a quarterback late that has a great year, such as Lamar Jackson. Wide receivers are the same exact thing in real life football. Think about it. Think about it. Think about the playoff teams. Yeah, they did have one really good or great wide receiver on most of those teams. But when it came to wide receiver depth, which is where a lot of these wide receivers are going for this draft as being the secondary or the third option for wide receivers, it just doesn't make any sense. For wide receiver for these for these playoff teams, it was one of the biggest positions of need, if not the worst position that they have on their team. Because NFL teams that are good The GMs that are good GMs know that wide receivers have little to no impact on winning. They really don't. You need one guy that can catch and draw the attention and beat the number one cornerback. And then you need three or four other guys throughout the season who can catch two, three, four balls a game. That's how you win. That's how you win. And for the people that do want to argue, say, oh no, wide receivers matter. Take a look at the playoff teams. Just take a look at the playoff teams. You have the Texans, who all they had was DeAndre Hopkins. You can't sit there and say that Kenny Stills is one of the best wide receivers in the league, and Fuller was hurt. Then you have the Chiefs, who Sammy Watkins had all of, what, three or four good games, including the playoffs the entire season? Outside of that, all they had was Tyreek Hill. Miko Hardman was not a big part of this offense. The Bills? The Bills had John Brown. Baltimore Ravens, they don't have one good wide receiver on that entire team. They did it with Seth Roberts. They did it with Willie Sneed. They did it with the rookie Marquise Brown, who was hurt for most of the season. The Titans, yeah, A.J. Brown came on the tail end of the season, but outside of that, who else do they have at wide receiver? Nobody. And then, of course, the Patriots. Edelman? Anybody else? No, and then you flip it over to the NFC side. The Vikings? With Adam Thielen, who Adam Thielen was hurt for the majority of the season. Don't forget, he was hurt for the majority of the season. 
The 49ers had Debo Samuel. Emmanuel Sanders really didn't do shit outside of three games throughout the entire season. It was like the first game that he actually joined the team, and I believe he might have had one other good game in the regular season and one or two good games in the playoffs. That's it. He's not a primary wide receiver. You have the Saints with Michael Thomas. That's it. The Seahawks are probably the closest thing you have to arguing, but Metcalf didn't put up a ton of yards this season. He was very solid for a rookie, but all they really had was Tyler Lockett, who was arguably terrible down the stretch anyways. The Packers had Devontae Adams. That's it. That's it. And the Eagles, oh God, let's not even talk about those guys. The whole point is, is that you don't need wide receivers to win. So to sit there and say that six or seven wide receivers are going to be drafted in the first round, the first round, is just absurd to me. I mean, wide receivers are borderline pointless. Look at this. The best wide receiver cores in the NFL, I just skimmed over it. I didn't actually go in and look at each and every team. I just skimmed over it real quick. And I came up with the Dallas Cowboys, irrelevant. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, irrelevant. The Jacksonville Jaguars, irrelevant. The Rams, irrelevant. The Falcons, irrelevant. Hell, you could even throw in Detroit and the Cleveland Browns and the Panthers if you want to. Those are some of the quote-unquote best wide receiving cores in the NFL. And they didn't do anything. On top of that, in addition to all that stuff we just brought up when it came to successful teams versus unsuccessful teams, the position is extremely, extremely volatile when it comes to drafting guys. It is probably one of the most volatile positions in the NFL. I'm going to go through some of these first-round picks. What I think I have it back all the way until like 2012 or something like that. We have 2019. First-round picks for the wide receiver position, Marquise Brown and Nikhil Harry. Yeah, obviously the jury's still on them. Both of them were hurt throughout the entire season. I understand that. So we'll go ahead and go to the next year. We have DJ Moore. Great. Calvin Ridley. Cool. All right. So we got two guys. We got two guys there. Solid. The following year, 2017, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross. Nothing. Then you have Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell, all flamed out of league outside of Will Fuller, who hasn't even been able to play, what, more than 10 games in a season, if that? Following year, 2015, got Amari Cooper. Awesome. Kevin White, Nelson Aguilar, Bashawn Perryman, Philip Dorsett, and Devontae Parker, who so far is still categorized as a bust, not because he had one good season, but because he had, what, four terrible seasons. Or three. Then we go on to 2014. Sammy Watkins, bust. Mike Evans, cool. Odell Beckham, arguable. I mean, has he actually affected wins for either one of his organizations? No. He hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't had an effect on anybody when it came to wins versus losses. Yet Brandon Cooks, bust so far. Kelvin Benjamin, bust so far. We're talking about first round wide receivers. Tavon Austin, DeAndre Hopkins, cool. Cordell Patterson, bust. 2012, Justin Blackman, Michael Floyd, Kendall Wright, A.J. Jenkins. What the hell? Even if we say that Brandon Cooks and Odell Beckham are not bust, you're still talking about 80% of these guys being bust. Why? Why would an NFL team go for such a volatile position that does not matter? 
I mean, is there one wide receiver that I named outside of maybe Hopkins that had a direct correlation with a significant amount of increase of win percentage in any year since they got drafted? No. No, the only guy was Hopkins who just got traded for David Johnson. I mean, took me 10 minutes. Pretty much took me 10 minutes to pull up that information and write it down. That was it. Do GMs not have access to the same stuff that I have access to? Because I'm pretty sure, pretty sure they have access to a lot more than I have. Who is going to change a whole entire organization's future by being drafted in the first round? Experts. All you experts out there, you're telling me that not only to the most useless position, but also the deepest one, the deepest one in this 2020 draft class, you're going to have six or seven teams that don't use analytics and they don't look into what increases wins versus losses when it comes to percentages based off of position. You're going to tell me that there are going to be six or seven teams that don't pay attention to that and that are going to draft a wide receiver in the first round. You can get a player, a wide receiver that is comparable to all of these first round guys that are projected to go first round. You can find one player comparable in the second, third, and fourth round. Just go look at the combine numbers. Outside of Henry Ruggs, nobody really separated themselves. Sure, you can argue argue Denzel Mims and Justin Jackson. But those guys are fringe first-round guys anyways. Denzel Mims, I haven't seen go in the first round of any mock drafts. Are you telling me that Jerry Judy separated himself of the combine? Sure, he did well in college. He did very well. And for me, he's a 9 out of 10. But in the second or third round, when you can find somebody like a Denzel Mims... You can find somebody in that later round, in the second or third round. Why would you go and waste a draft pick? It blows my mind. Blows my mind. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 10 wide receivers go in the first round. Because every team needs a wide receiver because that's what wins the games. Right? That's what gets you to the playoffs. Is a secondary backup wide receiver. Maybe I'm wrong. But outside of CeeDee Lamb... Jerry, Judy, and Henry Ruggs. I don't think any of these other wide receivers should be going in the first round. I'll take an argument for Justin Jefferson. I'll take an argument for that. But six or seven? And then you talk about 30 wide receivers in the first three rounds? Or what was it, 25? That's just a little bit far-fetched for me. I can't buy into it. That means that every single team outside of, what, two? If it was, I think it was 30 wide receivers now for Mel Kuyper. Every single team outside of two teams are going to draft a wide receiver. Meanwhile, you have teams like the Redskins who only have two draft picks in the first three rounds. And you really think that they're going to waste one on a wide receiver? When they have young guys like Kelvin Harmon and Steven Sims in the wings. Sure, they can take one in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, but not in the first three rounds. There's too much depth. Too much depth. Blows my mind that people are willing to talk about it. They want to put that out there. They're really being ballsy, being bold. Man. Anyways, 
Guys, we did do an excellent, excellent podcast for you guys yesterday. Devin and I put one together. However, it wasn't exactly what I wanted when it came to quality. But when it came to information, oh my God, was that shit juicy. It was juicy. So much information. I mean, we went into all sorts of different guys when it came to Teddy Bridgewater. When it came to Daniel Jones. Cortland Sutton. We touched on a whole bunch of rookies, running backs like Austin Eckler. I know they're hot right now. So hot. However, I didn't put it out. I didn't publish it to the public. Instead, I put it out there unedited, completely raw, uncut. You guys can hear everything that goes on in the background. You can hear our conversations beforehand. You know how we get the juices flowing. And that's available on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fantasy intervention. Go join our circle. It's two bucks. It's 50 cents a week. It's just two bucks. That's it. Go show your support for the podcast. It's two bucks a month. And I know times are tough. Times are really tough. But 50 cents a week, that's it. And you get all sorts of extra bonus content. You guys get extra podcasts. You guys even get videos of me from time to time when I'm feeling like I'm looking real good. You know, looking real sharp, real pretty. When I feel pretty, I'm putting myself up on Patreon. I really am. But guys, go show your support. Go to patreon.com slash fantasy intervention and join our circle. It's time for an intervention. And that means if I put out the podcast for you guys that I was supposed to do today, put that on Patreon, I had to come up for something. Come up with something for you scrubs out there that want to freeload off my episodes. Yep, I said it. But that's all right. I don't mind doing it. I actually love doing it. That's why I'm sitting here by myself. Inside my house, quarantined, enjoying doing this podcast for you guys. Enjoy the feedback. Enjoy the love for you guys. And if you all don't feel like you can invest in the podcast and show your support, that's fine because you can do it other ways. You can go click like. You can go click subscribe. You can go click five-star review. You can actually leave a review. And those things go so, so, so far. It takes all of, what, 20 seconds to press the like button or 20 seconds to press the subscribe button or three minutes to leave a review. If that, maybe one minute to say, great job, guys. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Just go out there, leave me a review. It takes a few seconds and hell, I'll consider that payment. That's fine. I appreciate it, guys, once again. But I decided that I wanted to talk about an orphan team that I took over in Dynasty. And the reality of the situation is people don't really understand Dynasty as a whole. You might understand player values. I mean, you might understand how to put together a pretty good team. You might understand how to draft well. But, man, just sitting here looking at some of these teams and how they're put together, it's kind of like, what are you guys thinking right now? What are you doing? Just curious. I'm not insulting you. I'm just trying to figure out where you're coming from. And when I got this orphan team, I could definitely, definitely see the same sort of thing going on with my orphan team. You know, you don't know the styles of the other people, of course, so you can't judge it all on that. You know, you don't know where people are valued within this, within their league. Excuse me. You don't know where people are valued within their league. You don't know who's high. You don't know who's not. You don't know what certain people are thinking that own other teams. You just don't know. And of course, you don't know how people treat draft picks. And that's a huge one. That is obviously a huge one. So there are certain levels of trying to figure out how to take over an orphan team. And it was a little difficult for me at first, but you know, I just threw out some feelers. I threw out some feelers, sold half my team because I needed to figure out where I wanted to go. I needed to figure out my direction. And, oh man, 
I've got some good offers. I'm actually in a league with a bunch of guys that are keeping up. I mean, we've had probably close to 10 trades over the past week. Maybe some of it has to do with the coronavirus, but in all the other dynasty leagues I'm in, there's been one trade or two trades in each league since the season ended. So to have 10 trades over the past week, I love this league already. Love it. Huge shout out to you guys in the league. If you guys are listening, I hope you guys are so you guys can beat me. You guys can know where I'm going before I go there. But there was one guy. There was one guy that sent me over Trey. That that one was funny. He ended up sending me over uh, Carrion Johnson and Kyler Murray. And this was a counter, by the way. For David Johnson, Derrick Henry, my first round pick, which was the second pick overall, and my second round pick, which would be the 14th pick overall. For Kyler Murray and for Carrion Johnson. Don't be that dude. Don't be that guy. If you don't understand fantasy, then go take a few seconds to learn. You're invested in this. But to sit there and think that Kyler Murray and Carrion Johnson are worth a David Johnson, Derrick Henry, and two draft picks in this draft, don't insult my intelligence. Because chances are now, I am never going to send this guy a trade offer again. Never going to do it. And he could be missing out because maybe he has values over certain guys that he likes more. And hell, I was giving players away. I gave away Joe Mixon for pretty much next to nothing. I gave away Malcolm Brown for a third and fourth round pick. I'm just trying to rebuild my team. And there were players. There were players that understood certain values. And that's huge. I'm talking about guys within the league. They understood where they sat at and they understood where they wanted to be. They understood handcuffs. And they understood depth at positions. So I don't want to call out anybody individually. But you guys know who you are. You guys obviously worked out trades with me. And there were some of you guys that knew exactly what you wanted. You know, what you were trying to get. So big shout out to you guys. There are other people that, mm, they might have struggled with a couple trades that I was looking at. And it's not like they got bad value. It really isn't. It's not like they got bad value at all. In fact, they got pretty good value in some of the trades, but it's like it doesn't fit the direction of the rest of their team. It really doesn't. And that's what separates the best players in Dynasty football from the guys that are really great and understand stats, but don't understand the direction of certain players. Like I said, there's a couple in particular that did really well with it, and there's a couple that struggle with it. Big shout out to you guys that did understand that. But the key to being the best is being self-aware of where you stand. And I'm not talking about who you like. I'm not talking about a style of play. I'm talking about are you ready? Are you ready to cash in? Other podcasts are like, oh yeah, I win now. You got to go for the win now. No, that's not always the case. They're just afraid if people aren't playing to win, that they're going to stop listening to their podcast. They're going to stop investing time because this year doesn't matter. When in reality, the people that are, are willing to rebuild, the people that are willing to sit there and lose for one year, those ones are the people that are actually studying more than anybody else is. And they're paying more attention to the depth at certain positions, to the upcoming drafts. Those are the people that I want locked in. Because if you play to win every year, there's too much conflict of youth 
versus who you actually have on the roster who can win you leagues now. And I'm not talking about win you one year. Because I'm not into that. I think Dynasty, you should have a team where it can win you three or four years in a row. Then you go and you sell off your guys, you recycle. And we're going to go into that in a second. But I was talking to the guy, that one of these guys, he's a Patreon. Or a patron, I should say. He's in the circle. And we were just sitting there talking about certain players and, you know, where he should go in one of his startup leagues for a draft. And, you know, he has another team of guys. And he was, we were just sitting there talking about certain guys. And I realized that not everybody realizes their trajectory of where certain players could end up towards the tail end of the season and the next couple of years of upcoming production as well. Being self-aware of where your team stands is the key to winning multiple years in a short span of time. Consistency is key when it comes to building up these rosters. So, when you have guys, you have guys like Debo Samuel, you have guys like Chris Godwin, you have guys like Kenny Galladay, their values will never, never be higher than what they are right now. They won't. If you have these guys, you have these guys, very similar to Hopkins and Michael Thomas, etc. Then it's time to make the push. All right. If you have a majority of guys that are in the same range where they have a couple years left with an above average quarterback, somebody like a Matthew Stafford, who Kenny Galladay could see for three or four, three or four more years, more than likely two or three. You have guys like Chris Godwin who could have Tom Brady for two more years, hopefully three. You have guys like Debo Samuel, who he's the only one on that roster outside of George Kittle that's catching passes. They might add somebody, but it's going to be a rookie, and there's no guarantee that rookie hits. There is no higher value. No higher value. These guys will never see a higher value than what they see right now. It's time to make that push. So what do you do? You take other guys who are a little bit younger, slightly younger, and you try to conform to the same age range of guys that that you would want on your team, guys like Joe Mixon, right, who pretty much have no backup running back outside of Giovanni Bernard, guys like Mark Ingram, who could end up restructuring his contract, but could still stay with the Ravens for two or three years. You can go out and you can get a quarterback. Speaking of, like Matthew Stafford or Tom Brady, and just hope for that high-end production. Like if I was sitting there with a dynasty team, a dynasty team, and I had somebody like Josh Allen, who, hell, he's going to be better than what he is right now. He's definitely going to be better, but his value is extremely, extremely high. However, am I going to get the top-end production out of him? No. So if I have another quarterback on the roster that I trust, somebody like, let's just say Kyler Murray, all right, and you have Josh Allen. You go off and you trade Josh Allen for whatever guys you can get in that 26 to 28 age range. And you make that push now for the playoffs. And you take that push for three or four years. Whatever it takes. Draft picks, I don't care. If it takes a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick to go get Joe Mixon. Or even two first rounders. You do that now because you have multiple guys in your roster that are in the same trajectory as Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay. The only way that Kenny Galladay's value actually goes up 
is if they lose so terribly this upcoming year that Trevor Lawrence ends up being the quarterback of the Detroit Lions in 2021. It's the only way. Only way. He's getting up there in age, and his value's through the roof. He's about ready to make that push, I'm telling you. He was still a top 10 wide receiver with the little pistol pop gun dude. Yeah, if you guys listen to my, my episodes, you would know what that means. Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, if you sit there, right, and you have these other guys, this is kind of like a tear blow. You're not ready to win just quite yet, but you're right there. You're right around the corner. You're going to be looking at guys like Cortland Sutton, DJ Shark, and DJ Moore. Why are they not ready to win just yet? Just yet? Because Shark needs a better quarterback. And if he can get that Trevor Lawrence this upcoming year, because I believe, I strongly believe that the Jaguars are tanking and they're going to tank hard this upcoming year. Oh man, they could end up with Trevor Lawrence and that offense would be booming. Booming. But either way, there's a very, very large chance they add a better quarterback than Garner Minshew or Garner Minshew ends up doing better than what he did last past year. Maybe he develops into a better quarterback. Either way, he's not there quite yet. DJ Moore, same deal. He's going to be catching passes from Teddy Bridgewater. And sure, he could have a very, very good year. But is he at his prime yet when it comes to level production? No. And Cortland Sutton, we got to wait to see what Drew Locke has to offer. I'm not ready to go all in on a championship run with Cortland Sutton being my primary receiver. But Drew Locke, if he does well, that's great. That's great. That's awesome. Now you have a quarterback that can produce a top-end fantasy option at wide receiver. If he does poorly, great. They bring on a new quarterback. And then all of a sudden, Corlin Sutton could end up being a top-end wide receiver. Either way, Corlin Sutton's highest value point is right around the corner. So if you're in this position, I don't need to go get Joe Mixon. I don't need to go get a Mark Ingram or anybody along those lines. Hell, I don't even need a CMC because I'm afraid of the production that outlies from 2021 and on. You sit pretty, you try and acquire one or two big early round picks. Something that can net you a Dobbins, something that can net you a Taylor, something that can net you a Swift, and you go running back, running back, running back, and can't forget about Akers and Dylan. You plug away at the running back. So that way, they're going into their second year. Their second year right before your wide receivers hit their prime. You end up targeting a guy like Josh Allen, who's only going to get better. Maybe you can target a guy like Kyler Murray. It's going to be tougher to acquire, but hell, you'll have Kyler Murray for 15 years. Maybe you can even target in the draft a higher-end quarterback like Joe Burrow, who could end up putting up huge numbers. You're set for 20 years, 15 years, whatever it is. Now you're in a position to push in about a year or two from now. So you trade away guys to championship contenders. Guys like potentially A-Rod. Guys like... Julio Jones, guys like Michael Thomas, and you get draft picks. 
Because by the time the rest of your team ends up developing and gets into that prime spot, you're talking about Julio Jones being out of his prime. You're talking about pretty much every running back being out of the rookie contract that's any good right now, outside of maybe Miles Sanders. You get youth at the running back position, and you acquire some of those other guys that we talked about who are still a year or two out from being a superstar, and you do whatever it takes to get those guys outside of trading draft picks. Then we have our next tier, guys. <sighs> this one's disappointing because some people try to make championship runs with guys like these, and it makes sense. But these are going to be your one and dones. You're out after this because there's going to be no value, and you can never recuperate the value. I learned the hard way with Demarius Thomas. I learned the hard way with Julio Jones, with Calvin Johnson back in the day, with Andre Johnson. I've learned it multiple, multiple times. But guys like Julio Jones, Julian Edelman, Landry, go take what you can get. If this is the majority of how your roster looks, where it's early 30s, late, late 20s for the majority of your roster, trade them away. Take what you can get. If you can get a second-round pick for David Johnson, take it. I'd take it in a heartbeat. I would consider a third-round pick. I probably wouldn't take a third-round pick, but I would consider one. These guys are not going to have value in two years from now. Sure, you can try and make your money and get out, but why not get six or seven draft picks for some of these older guys and try and rebuild your roster? Take some shots. Worst comes to worst, your shots don't pan out, and you end up with an early-round pick next year. Best case scenario, your shots do end up hitting, but because you trade away all of your superstars, you still end up with an early round pick next year, and then boom, you have an up-and-coming lineup like the DJ Moores, like the DJ Sharks, like the Cortland Suttons, and you're set up for success. You're set up for success. You are focused on acquiring draft picks if the majority of your roster is between the ages of, what, 27 and 32. Especially a running back, but even wide receiver. I don't care that you can get three more years out of Julio Jones. Then what? What's your return? You're going to be driving a beater is going to be your return. You're going to end up with Larry Fitzgerald in three years from now. What's Larry Fitzgerald's trade market? A late third-round pick? Julio Jones, you could end up trading and getting two first-round picks for right now, potentially. Michael Thomas, you could get the farm for. And you better believe, if this is the majority of my roster, even if I own a guy like Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to be shopping. I'm going to be shopping, baby, shopping. I'm taking home the farm. I'm getting guys like George Kittle. I'm getting guys. Getting guys like Patrick Mahomes. I'm getting first-round picks because it's CMC. Sure, you could be the stubborn asshole who wants to go and win one more year. Or you could be out for a year, maybe two, probably a year, and you'll be right back in the winning within two to three years from now because that's the right way to build in Dynasty. Then you take that, you run with it for three or four years, maybe even five, especially with how many first-round picks you can get. Think about that. If you somehow ended up with Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Christian McCaffrey, those three guys, 
They just won you a fantasy championship this past year. Great. They're at the highest value they could possibly be at for the rest of their careers. They're going downhill from here. You could seriously end up with six or seven minimum first and second round picks. Minimum. Not including your own over the next two years. Imagine if you could trade or if you could acquire Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, DeAndre Swift, or Taylor Swift and CeeDee Lamb. That's just three, three picks. Pretty sure that's the fastest way to rebuild, and you're going to be successful for many, many years. Now, the last level. The last level of self-awareness and realizing where your trajectory is going in order to stay on top of your leagues. You have the guys like A.J. Browns, the Terry McLaurins, the Deontay Johnsons. Hold tight. Hold tight, bro. Hold on. Hold my beer and watch this because I'm about to make some shit happen. Because you probably had a decent year. Right? With A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson. Guys like that. Guys around that range. Maybe Miles Sanders you can throw in there. I mainly focus on wide receivers, obviously. But you're about to turn the corner. You're still three or four years out from being extremely, extremely dominant. But you can start winning here in two years. And you probably have a couple early draft picks. You want to try and acquire more guys on this trajectory. You want to try and grab up. Those DJ Moores who might be a little bit higher up. You might want to try and move up in your drafts. Because you have depth if you have multiple guys in this range. Means you're drafting pretty damn well in the second and third rounds. But hey, it's time to go win now. It's time to start adding those players on your roster that you know are going to win. And I'm not talking about going up into the, the top three picks in the rookie draft. I'm talking about trading away 2022 seconds, 2022 thirds, potentially 2021 seconds and thirds, and move up in this deep draft class and see if you can snag guys in the second and third round. Go get your guys this year. If Terry McLaurin stays on the same pace, if A.J. Brown stays on the same pace, which is highly likely, highly likely, especially following 2021 when Derrick Henry could leave as a free agent. Yeah. I know his value's through the roof right now, but still, you can go get him for a reasonable price compared to what he's going to be after 2021. You go get your other guys like Deontay Johnson because there's a huge chance that Juju Smith-Schuster does not re-sign with the Steelers. They let their wide receivers walk. They let them walk. San Antonio Holmes, Plexico Burris, Antoine Renardel, they let their guys walk. Hines Warden and Antonio Brown were the two ex- exceptions. And look what happened with the Antonio Brown. Do you really think that they want to re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster? No, they let him walk because they're so good at drafting wide receivers. So now you have guys entering in about two years from now, three years from now. They're about to be 24, 25 years old. They're about to go into their prime. And all you need is your first round picks because you also drafted really well in this class. 
Spend it on running back, and you're golden. You're golden for years. Understanding where you're at and understanding the players that you have on your roster are crucial. There is zero, zero reason for me to have a guy like David Johnson on my roster who I had when I have guys like Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cortland Sutton. These guys are still right on the edge of being able to make a run. I'm not ready to win now with them. David Johnson was nothing. Joe Mixon, who could end up walking in free agency in a couple years. Or, I believe this upcoming year, actually. There's no reason to have that guy on my roster. He's a win-now guy. They're drafting offensive linemen. They're getting Joe Burrow in. They're going to run the ball heavy. Then, Joe Burrow's second year, he's going to start throwing more. He's going to feel more comfortable on the offense. And, hell, they're going to trust him more. So you better believe that Joe Mixon's going to see a reduction in rushing attempts. I don't need him right now. Talk about a guy like Malcolm Brown. Yeah, he's going to be a 2021 free agent. And hell, he could do really, really well this year. But I'll take a second round or a third round pick for him all day long. I don't know if I can get a second, but I'll take a third round pick for him all day long. Preferably two. But I'll take a pick. Because Malcolm Brown has no value for me in three years from now or two years from now. No value. He'll be lucky to be in the league, if not just a backup somewhere. You have to understand where your team sits, and you have to think about the future of your players. And you might have disagreed with some of the examples that I gave, but the people, the individuals weren't the point that I was trying to make. It's where you believe these people are going to end up with their future careers. If you start mixing and matching too much, you're going to end up holding on to players you shouldn't hold on to, and you're going to miss larger windows of winning. You're going to miss your, you're going to miss your windows. That or they're just going to shrink down, and you're going to have one or two years to win. And you're going to keep on trying to recycle your players. And you keep on trying to win. And you're never going to get that good draft spot. You're never going to end up with that Zeke. You're never going to end up with that CMC. You're never, never going to end up with the Todd Gurley. When he was good. That Barkley. You're never going to end up with it. But what if? What if you were sitting pretty. Going in this draft, and you had guys like Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, even Cortland Sutton, DJ Shark, and DJ Moore. And you had the 101, the 102, the 103, maybe multiple ones because you traded at the right times to grab these early picks. Because that's where I'm sitting. That's where I'm sitting in multiple, multiple leagues. Because I rebuilt at the right time. Rebuilt at the right time. Traded for draft picks that I knew were going to be higher end picks. And boom. Set up to win, baby. Set up to win. That's how you do it. And like I said, it's not about the individual players, guys. You have to make your own decisions on certain, certain guys. You have to make your own decisions on 
you know, certain directions you believe your team is going. I'm not saying that DJ Shark is definitely not going to be a top-end option this year because you never know. I mean, who actually knows for a fact that DJ Shark is going to be good or not? We don't. It's just when I sit there and I step back and I look at it and I reason, my personal belief says that DJ Shark's value can only go up. So figure out where the majority of your team lies. Figure out where most of your guys are. And put yourself into a position where you can win either now or eventually. But for an extended amount of time. One year is not enough for me. I want four championships. I want five championships. I want six championships in a 10-year window. I'll even take seven or eight. I want that many championships in a 10-year window. And that's how you do it. That's how you do it. I've made my mistakes. I've made my mistakes with the Calvin Johnsons, with the Andre Johnsons. I was waiting too long on Demarius Thomas. Those aren't the old guys, trust me. But I've learned from that, and I've already fixed the majority of my teams. Here's to 2020, baby. As long as this season happens, man, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you guys for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. That's how you bang a podcast.